Welcome to episode 57 of Insects for Fun, the weekly entomology podcast covering all kinds of interesting things in the world of entomology. Today, we're doing a deep dive into clear wing moths, which are quite possibly the best wasp mimics I have ever seen. Let's start with the basics, as we always do. Clearwing moths belong to the family Ciciidae, of which there are around 165 genera and over 1,525 species in the world. There are other families, but we're just going to focus on this one today. And to be honest, it has way more species than I was expecting. That being said, it's time for a quick disclaimer. I just want to quickly remind everyone that when we dive into families that are this size, it becomes increasingly difficult to say that any one characteristic can be found within each species. So just remember, every species is going to be a bit different. Alright, so we have this family of moths called clearwings, but what's so special about them? Well, these moths are daytime flyers for one, and are known for their incredible wasp mimicry. And let's not forget those clear wings for which they're named. You see, these incredible creatures have evolved to mimic a variety of different wasp species. I'm talking about everything from yellow jackets to parasitoids. And the mimicry doesn't stop at their looks. Even the flight and sounds they produce can resemble wasps, making them scary to many people who don't even know they exist. This kind of mimicry is called Batsian mimicry which is when an animal that doesn't have any special defense of their own mimics one that does, in an effort to protect themselves, of course. I suppose you could say that the ability to mimic something scary is a special defense on its own, although once you see through the bluff, they're in trouble. This is again one of those times when I strongly suggest you check out the Instagram or Facebook pages, because I'll be posting images of different species, and they really are incredible. For starters, the wings aren't just clear, but also shaped to look like wasps, with most being more slender and triangular in appearance. And as I mentioned earlier, there are species which evolve to sound like the wasps and bees they mimic. This is particularly known to be the case for Southeast Asian species, of which two were tested acoustically and found to produce sounds very similar to the bees they mimic, but different from other bees. I really can't get over how these moths have evolved to strictly mimic individual bee and wasp species as opposed to being more general. Here's an audio clip of that buzzing sound. In 2020 Thailand, a new genus and species was discovered which mimics a type of parasitoid called a braconid. Unlike other mimics which rely on colors and body shapes, this one has marks on its wings which in flight make the body appear curved in the same way as a braconid wasp. Pretty crafty, I gotta say. I'll put a picture on the IG and Facebook page. Now on the other side of the spectrum, there is a wasp mimic moth found in Central and South America, which does such an insanely detailed job that it left me staring for far longer than I should have. The species is called Pseudosphex letisincta. And I'm going to put the image of this one next to the wasp it mimics as well, so other people can just see how awesome it is. Now moving along to other incredible things, the caterpillars for Ciciidae moths do not feed on the leaves of plants in the same way other caterpillars do. They don't even look like caterpillars. The moths lay their eggs on host plants, but then the caterpillar burrows directly into the plants and are never seen again. Until they come out of course. 
But yeah, seriously, the caterpillars don't have color, barely have any legs either. Some of them honestly look like wasp larvae, which again is truly wild. How can something in a separate order of insects evolve to look so similar? It's not like these moths had a conference one day and said, you know what, things aren't working out for us, but those wasps, they seem to have it pretty good. So let's just cosplay as those guys from now on. Actually, in the most recent bonus episode available on Patreon, I do dive into something which could very well explain this phenomenon, and my patrons might actually know exactly what it is I'm talking about, if they're up to date. But enough about that, let's just see how similar these moths take their mimicry. So we have these caterpillars that don't really look like caterpillars, and they seem to feed on wood roots and other internal plant structures, which again is not what your average caterpillar does. But this type of behavior is known within wasp and bee species, so that's another point towards professional mimicry. As for how long it takes to complete a life cycle, that varies, but most of them take one year to fully develop. The larvae are actually well-known pests to gardeners and people who work in landscaping as well as forest management. The reason is simply that the larvae often damage the plants that they infest by weakening them to the point of losing branches or even death. Although to be honest, any plant which has been heavily infested by clearwing caterpillars must have been weakened already by other factors because the caterpillars alone shouldn't be enough to kill a tree. People in Integrated Pest Management, commonly abbreviated as IPM, refer to these caterpillars as clearwing borers. And the standard protocols are to first make sure the problem is actually clearwing borers, because many insects bore into trees, especially beetles, and the treatments differ depending on the insect. Common host trees for these include but are not limited to alders, poplars, pine, fir, oak, sycamore, willow, and stone fruit trees like apricot, cherry, peach, and plum. Signs of a borer inside a tree are gnarled or rough-looking bark patches, swelling on branches, piles of dust and waste outside a tree, and most important, pupil cases poking out of the bark. The pupil case is truly the hallmark for clearwing borers. There are other moths with clearwings, by the way, which cannot be mistaken for wasps, like hummingbird moths, for example and I'll definitely do an entire episode on those in the future. Now before we wrap up today's episode, I want to go into one particular species which got my attention and started this entire topic. That would be the hornet moth Caesia apiformis, which can be found across Europe and in Britain. It's not often we find ourselves in Europe or the UK on this podcast, but that doesn't mean I don't notice what's there. Notice me, senpai! Anyway, this large hornet-looking moth can be found in parks, meadows, golf courses, marshes, basically anywhere really, and they prefer laying eggs on the trees surrounded by vegetation. The moth is really cute, despite being a mimic to the European hornet, and the females act pretty similar to a giant silk moth meaning they're really docile and won't fly until after they've made it. I'll of course post a picture of this one too. The larvae for these moths feed in the roots of trees, unlike others we've mentioned so far, and can spend up to two years before pupating. Our UK listeners can probably testify that the weather isn't exactly ideal over there most of the time, with summers historically being pretty short, 
and as a result, the larvae have been known to grow slower than others. When the caterpillars do finally make their pupae, it is within the tree, and these ones are one of the few within the family to create a cocoon. Inside the cocoon holds the pupa, and this species actually have pupae that are lined with rings of small spines. The spines cling to the walls of the holes they bore in the tree's trunk and create a grip for which the pupae can use to wriggle their way out in mid-June or July. The moth was introduced into New England in the United States before 1880 and can be found in northeastern parts of North America with detailed records around Ontario, Canada, for example. And with that, this wraps up today's episode on the clearwing moths in the family Ciciidae. As always, I hope you enjoyed it and learned something interesting. If you're enjoying the podcast, it is highly appreciated if you drop a review and rating on whatever platform you listen. It helps me know if I'm doing a good job, and it's social proof to people who aren't sure if they want to press play or not. Now, if you'd like to support the show, you can find it on patreon.com forward slash insects for fun. I'm currently editing some more video footage from some nighttime expeditions, and I got another vlog to post. Also, if you would like to submit a listener request, you can do so at insectsfordummies at gmail.com. Yep, that's insectsfordummies at gmail.com. Hopefully most of you have already heard the episode which explains why that email exists and why the name has changed. Or you can send me a message on Instagram or Facebook, etc. Thanks again for listening, and you'll hear from me again next week.